Last week, how many was here last week when I shared on Elijah? Elijah. Elijah was an incredible overcomer. Elijah was an incredible man of God. And the reason why he was an overcomer and an incredible man of God is because he learned how to obey and serve the one and true Jehovah God. He did not negotiate that at all. And he didn't put anything before God. He always worshiped God with all of his heart. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you this question again, and I want you to really think about this. Let it sink in. Are you, or can you put it this way, put it in the, in the present tense, am I serving the true Jehovah God, the one and only God? Because the reason why I say that is, is God wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your worship. He wants your entire, he wants it all. He wants to be number one in your life above everything else. As a matter of fact, we find out in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3, it, he plainly says, uh, the number one commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Nothing. Nothing. I don't want anything to come between you and me. As a matter of fact, there were those that ran up to Jesus and asked Jesus. He said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And what did he tell them? He told him this right here in this next scripture. Let's go on over to Luke. In Luke 10, verses 27, he answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. He said, I want everything. This is the most important part. God says, I don't want just part of your heart. I want all of your heart. And because God wants all of our heart, as I thought about this, what way do you think that the enemy could hurt, hurt the heart of God the most? By stealing your heart away from him, by God. And the enemy's going to do everything he can to steal your heart, your attention, your worship away from God. And he's going to do it by being the false God and giving you false promises. He's going to do everything that he can to steal your heart away from God. And here's how he's going to do it right here. Satan steals your heart away from God by false promises. And by the way, to date, he has never, ever, ever fulfilled any promise he's ever given us. So don't thank you that don't, don't think that he has. This is the reason why an alcoholic still runs to the alcohol, because nothing will satisfy. But he promises if you do this, you'll be satisfied, but evidently not. They keep running to it. Or drugs, if you just have this drug, then that will satisfy. No, it won't. That's why they stay addicted. That's why they keep running back. And over and over and over. And he makes all these promises. Well, if you, if you, just, if, if you just have money, then that's going to make you happy. Or if you just have fame, that's going to make you happy. Or, you know, I'm going to give you security. If you just follow me, I'll give you security. Or if you make all these external changes, then you'll be happy. Evidently not, because people constantly are never satisfied. They keep wanting more and wanting more because they're never going to be satisfied. And the reason why they're not satisfied is because the enemy's got them convinced that he's telling the truth. You know, I think about money, and, I, and I, I heard someone share something one time about, it goes a little about like this, you know, money can buy you a good time. 
but it can never buy you a peace of mind. Only God can do that. Money can even buy you things. It can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you a good night's sleep. Only God can give you the peace and sweet sleeps when you're sleeping in your bed at night. And you see, money can buy you a house. Imagine that. Oh, it can buy you a big old fat daddy house, but it can never buy you a home. Unless God builds the home or that foundation, those who build labor labors in vain. Only God can do that. And so here's what Satan does. Satan promises you things. Now watch. He promises you things that only God can provide. God's the one who provides that. But, but the enemy thinks and tries to convince us that he is the one who provides it. And so I'm going to ask you again, are you serving the true Jehovah God? And here's the reason why I say that is because there are so many little things that will creep in, uh, you know, unidentifiably and, and, and just secret, just come in and you don't realize it. But before you realize, all of a sudden it's taken priority over God. And here's the thing. Well, Pastor Gary, you, does God not want me to have these things? Absolutely he does. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have, have good things, nice things. God wants you to have money because you can't be a blessing if you're not blessed. But now remember what I said a few weeks ago. God doesn't care that you have those things. He just wants to make sure that those things don't have you. Okay? God says, I'm not going to have any other God before me. And so we're living in a day and an hour where the enemy, he makes all these false promises, but never comes true on it, never comes through. And that's the reason why you keep running back to those things. But here's the thing. When you finally tap into God, you'll settle down and realize that happiness, peace, and joy, and contentment's going to be there. And you could be like Paul where he says, you can, rather if I have a lot or have little, I have learned to be content in all things. And that's the place where we got to get to knowing that Jehovah God is going to be number one. And so I want you to ask yourself this question. What are some things that we've put as little idols in our life that's creeped in and it's taken priority and it's starting to rule and reign your life? So I want you to think about that as we go. Now, let's go ahead and review because we talked about Elijah last week, remember? And Elijah was living in a day and an hour where there was a king that was ruling and reigning. Over 200 years now, there were kings that ruled and reigned, and every single king for 200 years were evil kings totally evil, never a good king. And matter of fact, there's probably over 20 kings that was ruling and reigning, that was going over back and forth, back and forth. But finally now we get to this king, and this king, Ahab, was the worst, most evil king that ever ruled and reigned, but even before the ones that was before him. And what even made him more evil, now, is, is this, is he was married to the most evil woman alive, Jezebel. Now you got two evil spirits together, and so now you've got all kinds of evil running rampant in the land. And so God says, I need you to go down there, Elijah, and deal with King Ahab, because they're serving false gods. They were so evil that I shared last week that, that they had built all these altars, and they had all the children of Israel bring their newborns and their children, just like little Ellie, and lay them at an altar and sacrifice them on the altars. It's bizarre. 
And people were sexually immoral, doing whatever they want, whenever they want with everybody. It was, it was, everything was nuts. And so God said, enough is enough. Elijah, I want you to go down there, and I want you to deal with Ahab. And so he does. He goes down, he looks at Ahab, and he said, look, God's going to cut the rain off. It is not going to rain from this day forward. Now, at that moment, you would think that, that Ahab and Elijah would have gotten a fist fight right there. They'd get on the ground. That didn't happen. Immediately, because God knew that there had to be a preparation in Elijah's life, and he wasn't quite ready. He just wanted him to give him the message. It wasn't going to rain. And so immediately, God pulled him away from that entire environment. And remember where he took him? He took him out in a deserted place where nothing and no one was at. He was all alone by himself to a place called Kareth Ravine. Now, I didn't tell you this last week, but the word kareth in the Hebrew, if you look it up, it means to, 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 to pull apart. It means to break. And so really what God was doing, God took him to a place where he was going to have to break him because before God could do something in him, God had to do something through him. And so he had to break him. And not only did he break him, but we also learned that God had to teach him to completely, totally rely on God and nothing else. Have you ever been in a place where you had nothing and you have to completely, totally rely on God? And so now here he is. Remember, no water, no food, no nothing, all by himself. And so God was teaching him. He was breaking him first. Then secondly, he was teaching him to rely on him. And so he was relying on God. And guess what happened? In the, in the dried up brook, God allowed the water to come and allowed him to be able to drink water every day. And not only that, but God sent the ravens in the morning time to bring him bacon and bring him biscuits. And then in the evening, the ravens brought him uh, yeast rolls and steaks. Remember that? Every day. Every day he, he did this. Every day. So, so he had all the food that he wanted. God supplied. God, God gave him what he needed. But then God said, okay, now I want to see if you're ready to obey me. Remember that? So God dried up the ravine dried up the water, stopped the flow of the food, raven, raven stopped flying in and whoop, dropping the bread and the, and the meat, you know? And so now it's time. He said, I want you to now go over, and there's a little widow further from here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to her, and she's going to feed you. The food's going to come from her house. So he gets there, and this little widow lady, with her and her just a little small old family, now they remember there's a drought. They were, everybody was dying. And so Elijah says, hey, I, I want you to make me some biscuits, or I want you to make me a cake, okay? Can you make me some bread or whatever? And the widow woman says, I can't do it. All I have is this little jar of oil and this little bit of flour, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to make my family and me some bread to eat, and then we're going to die because this is the last meal that we're ever going to have. This is all I've got. And God told Elijah to tell her, no, 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 it's not going to run out. You go ahead and make the bread. And I promise you, God's going to begin to multiply the oil, and God's going to multiply the flour. You're not going to run out. And I'm sure he's going to bring some meat along with us along the way, whatever. But he's going to give us all the food we need to eat. Don't worry about it. And so she did it. And guess what? They never ran out of oil. And she never ran out of, of bread or flour. And, and so, you know, I didn't share this last week, but, but do you know that her son had died living in that house? And so Elijah performed the first CPR in the entire Bible ever recorded. He goes in there where this little boy was dead, lays on top of him, 
and evidently doing some serious CPR, Jesus, Holy Spirit CPR, and the kid comes back alive. You see miracle after miracle after miracle, God began to perform. And so now God says, okay, now you're ready. You have learned to be broken. You've learned to rely on me, and you've learned to obey me. Now you are ready to go face the battle with Ahab. So now it's time to bring it on. So now Elijah goes back to Ahab, and this is what he says. Let's go back to the story now. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 18, let's pick it up right here, and let's listen to how this goes down because it gets good. When Ahab saw him, this was Elijah, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? (laughs) I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. In other words, in other words you're, you're out here in front of everybody worshiping the false gods in front of the real God. And God's not pleased with this. And a matter of fact, they were worshiping many gods. They were worshiping the God of Baal and the God of Asher. You know, and if you're in ministry any length of time, you will come across two words that we, that we hear all the time. And it's called monotheism and polytheism. Y'all know what that means? Mono, that means one, mono, monotheism means that that's a belief in worshiping one God, okay? Polytheism is actually worshiping many gods, believing that you're many gods. And so as Christians, we, when, we, when we make our heart right with God, we actually live in a monotheistic type of a lifestyle. We believe in one God, Right? But over time, what happens, we, we, we believe that, but we really live more of, a, more of a polytheistic life. In other words, we start allowing little gods to come in the same way that happened here in Israel when these people started worshiping many gods. And you say, well, what gods am I worshiping? What idols am I worshiping? Well, I'm talking about the, the idol of things, the idol of material things, the idol of homes or cars and looks and sports and activities. And we're putting all this stuff before God. Now, again, I, 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 please don't, don't, don't misunderstand me when I'm saying this. God wants you to have those things. Please don't leave her and say, oh, you don't want me to have anything. That's not true. He just wants to make sure that those things does not have you and control you. He has to be number one. When I get those things, I thank God for those. Thank you, God, for my finances blessing me today, God. And because you bless me, I'm going to live a blessed life, and I'm going to pay my tithes because, God, that's what you tell me to do. God, I want to thank you, God, for, for all the wonderful things. you. I want to thank you for my home, God, that you bless me with, God. And we praise you for that, God. I give you praise. See what I'm saying? Making sure that God receives all the glory for it. Now, so, but as Christians, we kind of live in this materialistic, and we, we have to be careful because it creeps in. And this is exactly what happened here at, at, at this time that Elijah was dealing with. They were worshiping many gods. They were worshiping the god of Baal. They were worshiping the god of, 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 of Asherah, and it went on and on and on. And so now he says, okay, it's time for a showdown. Let's really find out who the real God is, who the real Jehovah God is, who's really serving the real Jehovah God. And this is why I titled it this. Which God are you serving? Are you really serving the true Jehovah God? And so now he says, let's find out who the real God is. 
Let's put it to the test. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 to 21, it goes like this. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, okay? And bring the 450 prophets of Baal. You've got to be kidding me. 450 prophets are believing in this false god. Now, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. <laughs> so here we have 850 prophets believing in false gods, eating at Jezebel's table. No wonder they're all messed up. So Ahab sent the word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long are you going to waver? How long are you just going to be straddling fence? How long are you going to be worshiping all this stuff? Between two uh, opinions here. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They said absolutely nothing. And I believe today if Elijah was here, I believe that he would look at all of us and say, how long are you going to waver? How long are we going to waver and keep allowing little things, these little foxes to come in and spoil and take things from, from God's vine and giving him and, and, and worshiping these little idols? How long is it going to last? We have to be so, so careful that we don't put all this stuff before him. But here's what happens. He says, stop wavering, stop waiting. For heaven's sakes, pick the true God. You know who God is. You know who Jehovah God is. He's the one that you accepted as your Lord and Savior. But here's what we say. God, I, I don't want to obey you, but I still want you to bless me. Don't we? God, I, I don't want to obey what you're asking me to do. But God, uh, God I, I don't want to pay my tithes, but God, could you bless my finances? God, I, I don't want to offer my babies to you and dedicate them to you, God, but God, can you make sure that they're blessed? You understand what I'm saying? We have to offer everything, everything to God. And when we give our lives to God, everything that we have goes with us. And by the way, it is the safest place to ever be. I've lived with God all my life. He's never let me down. He's never let me down. Don't be scared or weird about it. God loves you and cares about you, and he wants to bless you in every way. He wants to bless your health. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to bless your career. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless everything about you. But it's only when you put him first, when there's no other gods before him. And this is why it's so important that we have to beware of those little foxes that's going to try to steal us away from God, steal our heart. Because one way that the enemy's going to crush the heart of God is by stealing our hearts away from God, because God wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. So, so Elijah said, if God's your God, then obey and serve God. Now remember, Elijah was a man who was obedient and served God and did incredible things, and God blessed him because he served God and God only. And so here's what Elijah did now. Now he's got all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Asherah together, and now he says, here's what we're going to do. He challenged him. He said, now, let's really see who the real God is. So what I want all of you to do, I want all of you to set up your altars, and I'm going to set me an altar up, okay? I'm going to bring a bull, and I need for all of you to bring your bulls, okay? Just bring them. And what we're going to do, we're going to lie them on the altar, okay? We're going to put them there, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to your gods, and, and I'm going to pray to my God. 
And the God who sends the fire down and consumes the altar and burns up the bull is the real true God. Can we do that? And so they said, all right, let's do it. It's, it's showtime. In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 24, here's how he sets it up now. Watch. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Because they're thinking in their little peon brains that, they're, that their false gods is going to send the fire. Now, remember, we just said a while ago, remember, remember, Satan, Satan promises what only God can provide. Let that sink in. Satan promises he's going to send the fire, but he never sends the fire. Satan promises that you're going to have a happy life, but he never lets you have a happy life. He said, no, you just need more. You just need more. You just need more. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And then you, but it never comes and it never will because Satan promises lies that only God can provide. That's why we got to keep our eyes fixed on God. Now, let's keep, let's keep reading now. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 26 and 28 now. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal answered us. Baal answered us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered and they danced around the altar they had made. Now, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Okay, Elijah had all he could take. <laughs> now he's making fun of them. He's going to really lay it on them. He's going, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more time here. Okay, are you sure he's going to answer? Oh, yeah, he's going to answer. Are you sure? Now watch what he does now. He really messes with them. He says, shout louder. Why don't you shout a little louder? Maybe God can't hear you right now. Maybe he's like, he's got some earbuds in. He's listening to his favorite music right now. He can't hear you. Why don't you shout a little louder, he said. Surely he's God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Maybe he's thinking about something right now, and he's like Pastor Gary. You got to look him in the eyes or he's not listening to you, okay? If you've been around me, you catch that. Just make sure I'm looking at you because my brain is going a billion miles an hour. I'm thinking about all kinds of stuff. Don't be quiet, Shelly. Now, here we go. Perhaps he's in deep thought, like PG, or busy. Maybe he's got a lot of other stuff he's got to do. This is Elijah telling him this, okay? Or traveling. Maybe he's, maybe he's gone to Holiday World or whatever it's called. Maybe he's gone to what, what, Disneyland. What is it? Disney World or Disneyland? I've never been. Lori, Disney World. Where's Disneyland? California. California. We're in Disney World over here. You can tell I'm really a, a big buff. I don't really care. One of the Disney theme parks. He's gone there. <laughs> Maybe, or maybe he's just sleeping. Maybe he's just Sunday afternoon, he's taking a nap. Church is over with, he's just home sleeping or, or, and must be awakened. So here's what they do. They start shouting louder to the God, the false God, who's making them promises that can't keep it. Listen, church, and we laugh here, but we do the same thing every day. He promises things and we say, if I, could just do, if I could just keep going, then it's going to happen. If I could just keep doing more, it's going to happen. But it never happens. And we keep doing it over and over and over. So they shout it louder, and they slash themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. They did this all day long, all day long. But sadly, again, we do it all the time. I, 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 God, I, I know 
that I'm doing the right thing. I, I, I know I'm supposed to just do this. You know? And we, you know, anytime you have to shove a door open, it's never worth going through. It's usually a door that we're pushing and not God doing it. Because God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. But sometimes we like to find doors and shove it open ourselves, don't we? Because we think, if I could just have this, then I'm going to be happy. If I could just get this. But remember, again, the enemy, Satan, makes all these false promises that only God can really truly provide. I want you to think about that this morning. But all day, nothing happened. Now, Elijah said, okay, guys, time out. It's my turn. My turn. No promises was fulfilled. He promised, see, their gods promised that they would do what he said, but they never showed up. Wonder why? Because they're false gods. Remember, the created can never ever be greater than the creator. And by the way, Satan was created by God. And Satan doesn't have the power that God has, never will have. He's limited, he only puts seeds of thoughts in our brains, and we do the action. He doesn't do anything to you. Satan didn't make you do anything. Satan can't kill you because if he had power to kill you, he doesn't kill you. He can't do it. We believe, okay, sickness comes because of sin. We just, because we're sinful bodies, we're just going to get sick. But Satan doesn't always, we blame Satan for some stuff he didn't do. And he's sitting there, thank you, I'll take the credit for that. No, 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 no. But listen, because he, he gives us fake promises, false promises, because he's a false God. He has no power, has no authority, but God does. Now watch what, watch what happens here, watch what Eliza says. Okay, he says, my turn, guys. First Kings chapter 18, verses 36, 37. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. <laughs> Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. God, you broke me in the Kareth Ravine. Now, God, I'm here and I'm standing, I'm prepared, and now I'm ready to bring it on. And I'm going to proclaim that you are my God. You are my Lord. And what she said, answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people, watch this, it's so powerful. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Did you all just catch what I just said? How many would would love to see someone that's not saved get saved? You want to know how that's going to happen? When they see the fire of God come down, that's when it's going to happen. When they see God, the real true Jehovah God, doing great things, that's when it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen if we're caught up in all these little bitty things that we get so caught up in and we're not allowing God to be God in our lives. Because we're worshiping so many other things where we shoved him out and really haven't made him the true Jehovah God. We're not really, we, we know he's God, but yet we get, it, we get so caught up in all, this, all these distractions. And my heart feels the same way. I'm saying, God, please, please, God, send your fire so we can see you work, God, so people's lives will get changed and saved. Last night I saw a movie on Pure Flix. Uh, our kids got us Pure Flix. I'm like, yeah, that's good. You ever got Pure Flix? Anybody got Pure Flix? That's good, man. Dude, it's awesome. And there's a movie, watch, I, I think it's The Perfect Wave. Watch that movie. Great movie. It's about this young man, true story. 
that he, he, he's, he's like, loves to surf and stuff. He's going all over the world surfing. And, but anyway, they did some night diving, and they were going to dive down for, um, um, uh, what do you call, lobsters and crabs and stuff. They was going to dive in shallow water after dark. And so when he was diving, now remember they were in the countries where, where, where um, people didn't really speak English well. I forget which country it was. But anyway, he dove down, and he gets stung by a, a, a really bad poisonous uh, jellyfish. And so and it, he gets delirious. He comes up. His buddies, uh, a little guy rows him into the bank, and he, he gets out of the boat. He starts running to try to get help. And the people think he's drunk, thinks he's on drugs, and they start making fun of him. He's sitting there dying. So finally, one good Samaritan gets him and takes him all the way to the hospital. And in the hospital, he dies. Dies right there. Mom and dad gets the phone call. They're crying. Oh, my gosh. They're praying to God because they knew it was happening. But, but anyway, they, they, they wrap a little tag and put it around his big toe. And they pronounce him dead. He's dead. But in the, in the movie, he goes to heaven. And God starts revealing all these people that's never been told about his love and about his saving grace. And he said, how are they going to know if no one tells them? And this young man says, God, send me back and I'll tell them. I'll do it, God. I, and he says, okay, lay back and open your eyes. He opens his eyes. He's laying on this morgue table. The nurse is at this foot writing down notes and he just lifts right up like that and looks at her. <laughs> ah, she screams and goes out. Doctor! And by the way, when this all was happening, his buddy that had brought him there came in and saw that he was dead. And he's outside telling his buddies, he's dead. We got to tell his parents. It was so funny. Then the guy has his clothes on, walks out there and looks at his buddy and says, what are y'all doing? And they're like, ah, you were dead. But to date, God used him to save 61 million people. And he's a pastor now in London, England. But, but my point is this, is that, is that God used him, uh, performed an incredible miracle. The fire of God touched that man, and because he touched him, he was able to touch other people. And they saw it with their eyes. And we've got to give people a reason to serve God, church. We've got to give people a reason. Look, I was sick one time myself. God cured me of cancer. I don't always have the answers, and I don't understand why. But I know that God cured me of cancer. And because of that, God has given me permission to speak into other people's lives. And I get it. I understand there's other people that God hasn't. And I don't understand. I don't have all the answers to all that. But all I know is I was and God let me go through that for a purpose and a reason. And that's why I will never back down from sharing it. If I share it every Sunday, I don't care. Because there's someone just maybe that Sunday may need to hear that. That's struggling and needs hope. But you see, we, we have to get to the place where people can see a true, real, living God. And here's the reason why. Because God reveals himself so he can turn the heart of the people back to him. It's hard to do that when we've got distractions in our lives and we're bowing down to all these other things, thinking, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, then I'll be happy. Remember, they were praying for fire. And what happens when something catches on fire? Everybody come from all over the place, see it. I guarantee you right now, if that building was over there, it was on fire. No, not that one. We don't need any more. Somebody over here, that, let's say the credit union over got on fire. I'm sorry if you're working at the credit union. 
you got insurance. Look, we just had the wind blow half of our roof off. We got to get it. We don't need any more damage to the building. So, but the, the credit union over there, burning. And we hear, whoo, 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 whoo. What have you? I can't even do it right. You know, <laughs> the firing's going on. I guarantee you, you're all going to want to get up and go look out that door because it's got your attention. Listen to me. We've got to let the fire of God fall on our church. And when we do, people come running to see it. People will want what's happening here. But it's only going to happen when we remove distractions and say, God, you will be number one. God, we will serve you and you only, God. And God, and here's what's going to happen. When that fire fell, it burned up everything. It burned it all up. Now, let's keep reading. Let's go on. Before I get ahead of myself, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 38 and 39, then the fire of the Lord fell. It fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And by the way, he said, I so for my altar, I want you to dig a ditch around it, and I want you to just pour water all on it too. Let's just make it a little bit. Let's, let's just up the ante here a little bit. I want you to put water on it and make all the water fill up in the little ditch around it. Soak it with water. I didn't tell you that part, but watch what he said. And also it licked up the water in the trench. Consumed it all. When all the people saw this, now watch. They fell prostrate and cried. These are people that were lost, worshiping false gods. And the Lord, and watch, they said, and the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Today, we've got to give the world an an opportunity to see a real God. And the only way they're going to see a real God is when we make God number one over it all. And say, God, you will be Lord of my life. I give you my life right now in Jesus' name. My prayer is this right here, right here. Lord, send your fire down so everyone will know that you are the true Jehovah God. And all the false gods will be removed. I believe this morning, if you've got things in your life that you put a little above God, when you make God number one, he's going to send the fire down and burn out everything that shouldn't be there. He'll take care of it. Maybe it's the God of, of drugs. He'll burn it out of you. Maybe it's the God of alcohol. He'll burn it out of you. Maybe it's the God of lust and things. He'll burn it out of you. He'll send the fire, and he'll change your life. And this is what God wants for the church. What areas in our lives, church, do we need to lay at the altar say, God, I'm tired of putting this before you. And I'm telling you, when you give it to God, and he'll burn it up, disintegrate it. Here's the thing with God. When you give something up for God, he'll give you something back even better for what you gave. And it'll come in a better way. Because he wants to give you the desires of your heart, but he just doesn't want those things to have you. What needs to be burned up this morning, church? Pastor David, I'm done. I had a pointless message. No pun intended. But it was the most pointful message I've ever preached. Because I didn't need a point. God had one point. I will be number one. I will be your God. I just need for you to let me be your God. What needs to go? What's got to go? You know, we, we, I'm tired of hearing about revival every place else. The same God that's there, same God here. The same spirit that's living down there is living here in us, church. But we got to ask ourselves, how hungry are we really? How, what's it going to take? God, we really need you to move in our church, God. Our children need you, God. Our loved ones need you, God. 
God, we need miracles to happen in our church. God, we pray that, God, you send the fire here, God. God, break me. Take me to my charisma. Break anything in me that's not supposed to be there. And make me, God, rely on you, God. When I have no answer, God, I know that, God, that you'll bring the spiritual water when I need it. And I know, God, that you will bring those ravens and you'll give me the spiritual bread when I need it. And I know, God, that you will bring me the spiritual meat when I need it. Because, God, you and you alone, God, is all I need. I need nothing else, God, but you. Ask yourself the question, God, what's, what's got to go? Oh, church, I'm preaching to myself. I am preaching to myself. Oh, my gosh. There's so many little things that I do every day that I think is so important. And before I get in the Word, I'll do something else. I'll go to my bank account and check my account. The first thing I pray, God, let me open the word of God up, God. Let me put you first. God, give me a hunger, God. God, I pray this morning that you will just let me and all of us lay that thing. What is it? Just lay it on that altar this morning. And let God burn it up. So he could be number one in your life. God, I love you. I praise you this morning. And God, I know that God here, you're working and you're moving. God, I don't know who they are. But God, all of us, if we're honest, we've all got those things that we felt so desperate for. There are people here, God, this morning that they don't like who they are. They don't like, God, how you created them. They're not satisfied, God, and they think this false God is telling them, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, and then you'll be happy. But, God, they've tried this and they've tried that, and they keep ending up with the same feeling, God, the same emptiness. And I pray, God, right now that, God, that they'll just surrender and give you their life, God. God, begin to transform them inside and out, God. Let them know that, God, that how much you love them and how much you care about them, God, right now. And God, I pray that, Father, that we get our eyes off of everyone else and keep our eyes back on you, God. Because, God, you're the God and the only God, the only true Jehovah God that can provide everything that we need when we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you